Hello and welcome to the Four Comic Junkies podcast. When the comics aren't enough and you need a little extra fix. I am your host, JJ Hodges. This podcast is a proud member of the Batman Podcast Network, hosted by Batman on Film. But we're not talking Batman today. We are talking Alien. As in Ridley Scott's 1979 classic Alien starring Tom Skerritt, Sigourney Weaver, and Ian Holm, and um, uh, some other people. Harry Dean Stanton's in it, uh, Nancy Cartwright. Wait, isn't that Bart Simpson? Release Simpson. No, it's Bart Simpson. That's not right. Doesn't matter. There's, there's other people in the movie. Not that many people. It's kind of a small cast. Kind of cool. Kind of cool. Uh, my guest today is... Emmett Davis from the Let's Go Podcast Network. Uh, really, uh, you know, we had a really awesome talk about not just Alien, but the uh, Dark Horse uh, miniseries, Alien, the original screenplay, which is loosely based on the original screenplay that Dan, Ob- <laughs> Dan O'Bannon wrote back, uh, you know, when they were selling the movie. I think they were calling it Star Beast back in the day. And, uh, you know, we we go over like you know was you know is it good? Is it bad? Is it is it like the coolest thing you've ever read? You know, or was it like the not coolest thing? Or I mean, we 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 have better words than that, of course. Um, yeah, we you know, Emma and I had a really great talk. This is actually part one of two of our uh, Alien comic book talks. Um, tune in next week for part two. Uh, I, I think you guys are going to love that, especially if you love this episode. It's pretty great. Uh, Evan and I, you know, we uh, we bond over our love of Alien and Aliens and Alien 3 and Alien Resurrection and uh, the other ones, you know, the garbage ones that weren't good. But, you know, no, we, you know, we, we have a good time. Uh, it's fun. It's fun doing podcasts, making new friends, you know, just I... Uh, that's what I tell myself, that they're my friends, and they're not just my paid guests. Because <laughs> I need friends. That was my Flash impression from Justice League. Anywho, um, look us up on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at 4ComicJunkies. Also, you can email me, 4ComicJunkies at gmail.com. And hey, while we're at it, folks, if you're on Apple Podcasts, like, subscribe, write a review, because that's the way to get buds in ears. Earbuds in the ears, clicking on the podcast. All right, without further adieu, let's get into it. Alien, the original screenplay. All right, thank you, uh, Emmett, for joining me today for uh, our first of uh, two special Alien episodes. Uh, looking forward to chatting with you about this stuff. Uh, absolutely. Uh, Mr. Hodges, I'm uh, excited you uh, asked me to come on. I'm excited that we're talking about uh, what we're going to be talking about. And uh, I couldn't be happier, man. Thanks a lot. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm going to get you to say about and out as many times as I can because I love your <laughs> Canadian accent. <laughs> I, I, I don't hear it. So uh, <laughs> I'm glad you uh, you have uh, some enjoyment out of it, but uh, that's good, man. It's 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 so strange, like going to even just different parts of the U.S., hearing people's, you know, when I lived in North Carolina for a long time and there's people 
and even like uh, in Texas, I have friends in Texas, you know, so there's Bill Ramey uh, from Batman on film. And then there's Zach Moore from um, Always Hold On to Smallville, both mm-hmm. born and raised in Texas, completely different accents. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's the strangest thing to me. Uh, but, I saw, <laughs> but I saw that when I lived in North Carolina, some people had very thick uh, North Carolina accents. Some people just didn't. I don't know. <laughs> um, I you know, my voice is just I just sound like a basic white guy. So. Yeah, that's, just, yeah, that's what I think I sound like most of the time. So, <laughs> um, so Emmett, give us a little bit of your secret origin, if you will, your uh, nerd nerd origin, comic book origin, if you will. Yeah, it's a pretty boring story. Um, you know, I'm, I'm I'm pretty. I guess I'm just like any uh, any person that's into this stuff. You know, I started off as a young age. Um, just kind of watching cartoons, you know, Batman, the animated series, X-Men, the animated series, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really didn't get into comic books until, you know, my late in my teen years. Um, my father and uh, brother and my pretty much my family weren't that into comics. Mm-hmm. Um, so I got to kind of just find it, found it later in life with kind of the people that I was hanging out with. They seemed to be into that kind of thing. And um, I guess I kind of wanted to fit in a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, so I kind of find comics, found comics a little bit later in life. Um, and now it's pretty much my entire life. You know, I think about, I have a job, but if I could do anything as a job, it would be do what I'm doing right now. Um, mm-hmm. You know, uh, I love talking about comics. I love reading comics. I read a comic almost every single day, um, no matter what kind of comic it is, whether it's a, you know, a sci-fi, a superhero or any kind of genre comic. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as you can see behind me, I have, or as you can see JJ behind me, I have a lot of comics uh, just yeah. behind me. And, um, you know, I, I think about comics every day and I read comics every day. Um, that it's such a, it, it's so great to hear, you know, you, you say it's a boring story, but I don't think it's boring. I think, you know, I'm, I have the same kind of history. And when I was, when I started going to, um, comic cons and then I did, and then it took me a couple to realize that, Oh, you can actually bring the comics and they'll sign them for you. And most of the time for free, you know, that's so cool. You just got to wait in a, in a long ass line. Yeah. Uh, You know, but that's how I got to meet like, you know, Scott Snyder, um, Gail Simone, Mm -hmm. um, you know, um, Jeff Johns, Jim Lee, you know, it's, it was, uh, and you know, nine times out of 10, they're, they're just, they're so excited to be there. They're so excited to be in front of their fans and uh you know and i'm just like sitting there like dude like this story was great and they're just like yeah yeah thanks and they're and they're just especially like scott snyder he's just as excited as we are you know um and that's uh it's really a a fun like uh and it's like it's it's the one place where i feel like we're all together as you know you go on twitter and who the hell knows what people are saying (laughs) feeling there um You'll find you'll run the gamut of emotions, but at, at a Comic Con, um, and and then you know through podcasting too, I've noticed that when we get together, we can just sit here and just go, "Oh my gosh, wasn't that great?" You know, and if we just go, "I didn't really like that that much," then it kind of gets dropped and moved on. Um, yeah, yeah, I agree with you. Like I'm in group chats like that, um, mm-hmm. where it it is, it's like a safe, it's a safe place to express your your feelings about stuff that we all love, and maybe if we don't love it, and that's okay too, yeah. which is which is where I'm at with a lot of things in life, you know, if you don't like it, that's cool, and if you like it, that's cool too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so, and speaking of things that we uh, like and don't like, the, the Alien movies, so this year is Alien's uh, 35th anniversary, arguably probably the best of the Alien movies, um, at least I would say so, mm-hmm. um, 
but I do, but I kind of go back and forth a little bit because the first alien is really damn good. You know, it's, uh, when, when did you kind of get into the alien movies? Yeah. So I, I, I guess my first uh, introduction to it would have been aliens. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, 1979, when the first movie came out, you know, I was, I wasn't even born yet. I was born in 1986. Um, you know, and my dad was such a big science fiction guy and such a big James Cameron guy, you know, he loved Terminator beforehand. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess I started watching, I think I saw aliens first and this is kind of my whole life with things. I always watched the second one and I think that's the only movie that ever existed. You know, or like I, I remember watching Star Wars Return of the Jedi when I was a kid and I thought, you know, this is the greatest Star Wars ever. And it's the only Star Wars ever. Mm. You know, I didn't know there was such a thing either uh, that came before it. So that was the same thing with Aliens. Mm-hmm. Like, and that's kind of the way, you know, James Cameron had it set up to or his own thing. Um, and then, you know, later in life, I obviously, you know, uh, Blu-ray box sets and re-releases and um, newer movies uh, and Prometheus and Alien Covenant to mm-hmm when I was older. Um, and then, you know, you get back to watching the original with alien, um, you know, and you realize, you know, Ridley Scott's one of the greatest directors of all time. Yeah. Um, you know, it's just, it's one of the best horror movies of all time. One of yep. the best science fiction movies of all time. Um, you know, it, it, it that movie created so many years and such longevity of a, of a franchise. That's not very common. You know, 1979 is forever ago when you think about it, really, right. especially in, in movie ages and how long it took be- between each sequel. That's kind of thing. It's it's kind of its own, um, you know, special little thing, uh, the Alien franchise as well. Yeah, it's um, I, I was actually thinking a lot about that, that it, there is always a huge gap with the Alien movies. Like the shortest gap would be, um, I think it would be Alien versus predator and alien versus predator Re- requiem that was like three years mm-hmm. where usually it's like five six seven years yeah. in between um and i'm not even sure why because you know these days a sequel gets fast-tracked you know like immediately well yeah if you think about like superhero movies and nowadays like if you if a movie alien and aliens if that happened now everyone would be freaking out like oh where's the sequel where's the sequel everybody you yeah. know what's wrong what's wrong and you know there was just just time in between each one it's it's that thing where they it, it not necessarily a, a legacy sequel but now when they try to do legacy sequels like they did like dumb and dumber 2 it's just it's not nearly as good it's, yeah. it's like it's 20 years later and it's like come on man the first one's a classic you can't just mm-hmm. bring this back and pretend like you know we were we were all excited for it. the one exception probably being blade runner 2049 because that mm-hmm. got to be a, a little bit more of a its own thing that you didn't really need the first one for. That's right. Yeah, exactly. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I think, I think the first one I ever saw was, uh, was alien resurrection partially because, you know, I was like, a, I was like 12 or 13 years old and um, massive crush on Sigourney Weaver. Um, <laughs> but, and, and then, you know, being like a kid, I, I remember like not thinking much of it and kind of going backwards from there, seeing alien and then aliens and really enjoying them. And I don't, I didn't actually see Alien 3 until I, I, I had to, like, it was recently, it was like a couple of years ago, because just because I had heard so many bad things, sure. and I was like, I don't think I'm going to like it. And then I ended up watching it, and I was like, yeah, that wasn't very bad. That wasn't yeah. very good. Um, but uh, whereas, like, when I was a kid, I didn't mind Alien Resurrection. I watch it now, I'm like, this thing's kind of a piece of shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just, um, 
I, I was because I was watching them on HBO Max. I'm like, it's not even that good. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but the first one I think is a, a masterclass in in uh, in how to make a horror movie because um, you know, and I I find the behind the scenes stuff so fascinating. Um, like especially the fact that the alien only has like four minutes of screen time. Yeah, like that's and and the best part about that is that. Even watching rewatching it uh, a few days ago before we were recording, I still didn't realize it because it has such a presence. Like they're always talking about it, they're always thinking about it or referring to it, so that when it does show up, it's terrifying. And it's just like, wow! Like they, even knowing that, it somehow it doesn't uh, it doesn't break the fourth wall for me. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had the same experience. I just I uh, finished it last night, and uh, when I finished it, I'm like, it 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 made me feel like a lot of the movies that are around that time. Like I I thought of Jaws right away. Yeah, you know how you you know the I I wonder what the screen time is for you know the shark in in Jaws. I wonder if it's um, along the same lines as in Alien. And I think that was just kind of the the master class of filmmaking yep. is uh you know don't show but make us feel like yep. the the alien is right around the next corner. And that's what I, that's the feeling I got. You know, yep. as soon as the alien's on the ship and busts out of uh, out of Kane's chest, it's like you have a feeling that the alien could literally come out at any moment and kill anyone yep. just like that. And I think that's you know, it's in inductive of the this the setting that Ridley Scott made. You know, inside the uh, Nostromo, everything is so confined. Yeah, there's no place to breathe. There's no place to move. There's you know, you can barely walk down a hallway where they're bumping into the in, bumping into something. Yeah, you know, and, and same with the lighting. Everything seems so closed in, like you have nowhere to go. Yeah, um, and it, it it doesn't matter that you don't see the alien. Like yeah. we talk about it now because we noticed it, but when you're watching it, you're like you don't feel a negative aspect towards not seeing seeing the alien, right? No, not not at all. It's uh, you know, there's no like oh, he's not in it enough or anything like that because it's sort of like um, you know, and, and you know, like Silence of the Lambs kind of did this too with uh, Hannibal Lecter. It's like you you get just the right amount of the character to really make an impact on you. Like it's like Hannibal Lecter has like what is it like 12 minutes of screen time in Silence of the Lambs? And it's like, um, you know, it's the same thing where you're just like, and that's, and that's a, a different kind of scary where he's confined to one place, yeah, but stays in your head. Um, whereas the alien stays in your head and is right there, you know, or could be right there. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that kind of uh, monster under the bed uh, mm-hmm. haunted house vibe in outer space is really, really exciting. Um and I think that all those actors, you know, really sell it too, because they're all at that point, they're all veterans, you know, they've done a few movies and, and suddenly now they're this ensemble where they have to, you know, and, and I think the best part about that movie is there's, there's something about the, their relationship with each other where it's like, it is contentious. It is like, yeah, it's like, oh, I just want to get my share. I want to get the hell out of here, whatever. Mm-hmm. And so they're just, they're sort of over it. They want to go back home, you know, and then it's just, they're, they're annoyed with each other. They're annoyed with their bosses. And it's just like, there's a believability to that. Like, what, haven't we all had jobs where we just, we hate our bosses. We just want to go home. <laughs> and now we're stuck in a starship with a monster. <laughs> I mean, maybe not that, but, uh, sure. but, but seriously, it's, there's a relatability to that where, 
you just feel that like they're getting along but also just they're sort of just being cordial and then as the movie ran you know goes on they just the tension just gets worse and worse and um and it's a hundred percent believable um having that uh that character that character arc for every character yeah i feel that too about the you know it's relatable because the, they feel like normal people Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they, they're not, you know, supreme scientists like in Prometheus and they're not military people like in Aliens, yeah. you know, you know, Parker, he, he, he feels like a guy who's just there to fix the ship, yeah. um, you know, and Harry Dean Stanton's character just, you know, he's a wise ass and, you know, makes jokes all the time and, you know, mm-hmm. says whatever Parker says and, you know, they just feel like regular people yeah. and, and that's why um, it's also even more scary like it's not going to happen to us like you said but it feels like it could it feels like you know any of this could happen and i think with sigourney weaver's character with ripley that's why she became so popular Mm -hmm. you know she's just a regular person she's the third in line on on the ship she's not even second she's not the captain she's not second in command she's third in command yeah um you know and she she kills this alien she kills the next one and on the next one and the next one the next one and on and on and on right yeah and but she's just a she's just a regular person she's not a superhero unless we're talking about alien resurrection where she's more superhero-ish but uh, (laughs) you know that that that's what i found after the rewatch again um which is how relatable the characters was were just because of how how simple they were yeah. they weren't trying to be anything you know too grand and that every everybody in this movie stays in their lane you know yeah. even with tom scarrett's uh, the captain with dallas you know he, he's not trying to be too much and you know ian holmes ash you know one, my probably my favorite character in the whole movie oh. um, everything he does is very subtle you mm-hmm. know with with ash and he's he's creepy in every scene that he's friggin' in yeah um you know i i love the cast and i love it you know this movie's got six you know i think it's six people and that's it you know yeah. there's no extras no nothing there's no filler you know it's just it's just these all these great character actors which what it turned out to be in um uh, you know later on in their life they're just great character actors through and through oh yeah and and sigourney weaver just uh you know it, like you said being that that regular person is uh but not only that but being a person between a rock and a hard place with like the quarantine situation right where she's like no that's that's quarantine he has to stay there yeah and and they're all just like you know like what's the matter with you let let us in and i and it's so funny that um we've all been quarantined for (laughs) almost a year now or over a year now oh my gosh (laughs) um but you know, there is a, I love the, the idea that we had that female character that is going to be the authority. We don't have, she's not a damsel in distress. She's not like, oh, like annoying or too whiny, too bitchy. She's just like, I'm doing my job. And that's, and that, that relatability there is really, is really exciting. And, and, uh, and really makes you like root for her, even though you're just like, even though, even if you were like, I, I think I'd let them in. Like I might let them into the ship because that's my friend or that's my coworker. I don't want him to die. And, you know, but then there's, but then there's the other side of you that goes, yeah, but you know, you got those procedures for a reason, right? <laughs> yeah. hundred percent. I, I, that, that moment in the, uh, in the movie is pretty, you know, striking because Ash is right at the door and, you know, he's, he's got an ulterior motive to get them back inside. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and you, you mentioned that, uh, 
I think you mentioned that, you know, Ripley's not annoying or whatever, but Lambert is so annoying in this movie, the other Very. female character, <laughs> yes. you know, and it's, it's a dichotomy between the two of them, you know, one's strong and powerful and resilient. And the other one is more of a, um, you know, m- more mousy, I will say, and, you know, whiny all the way to the end, to the bitter end in her character. All she did <laughs> is whine and cry. And, you know, I don't, I, that's, it's kind of what they were going for, but I, I kind of got, she's like Shelley Duvall in The Shining where you just, yeah. you know, you just, I just hated her existence on the screen. She <laughs> just whined and cried the whole time. And, yeah. you know, yeah. I, I wasn't upset when the, yeah, the alien got her. Yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> no, no, for, I definitely agree with you. Um, she just, I remember when the movie, oh no, no, that was, because uh, <laughs> another thing that reminded me of that was, um, I can't remember the character's name, but uh, Kath- Catherine Waterston or, or whatever yeah, the heck Waterston, her name. Yeah, yeah. Waterston in, um, alien covenant i'm like does she cry in every scene in this movie because like the first like the first like six or seven scenes she's in she's crying i was like i was like come on what is going on here and then so i did think of lambert a little bit um but i mean yeah i agree but uh it's interesting hearing you say that uh ash is your favorite character um when you did a rewatch did you suspect at any point that he was an android because i remember being very surprised by that the first time I watched it. Yeah, well, they they don't play it out like he is. You know, he's in the uh, you know the cryo chamber or whatever. He's sleeping with the rest of them. Yeah, um, he's eating with the rest of them. Um, and they don't. You know, he's around the captain the most, especially when they're doing like the autopsy on Kane when the the facehugger's on, mm-hmm. um, and they're not treating him like he's any different than they are. So you know, they don't know. Um, you know, Ian Holm plays it so good. Yeah. Um, he doesn't play it overly robotic, you know, yeah. when you think about, uh, you know, Fassbender and, you know, Prometheus and Alien Covenant, if you can, you can look at him and you can hear him talk and you can tell that he's, uh, you know, robotic in some way. And even Bishop a little bit in Aliens, yeah, um, you know, the actor, he looks like a freaking robot, you know, <laughs> he, 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 he was almost, uh, you know, the Terminator in uh, Terminator, right? So right, right. Yeah. You get that sense, you know, Ian Holm is such a small, uh, you know, small guy, obviously Bilbo Baggins. Um you know, I didn't feel like he was uh, an android. And that's, I think, why when that switch happens, mm-hmm. when you find out um, what Mother is trying to do, and, you know, he, he <laughs> Ripley's in, in the pod or whatever, talking to Mother, and the camera kind of pans over, and he's right beside her. Yeah. Like, it's so friggin' creepy. And, you know, yeah. then, the you know, the white, uh, the what whatever, his blood or, you know, the animatronics in him starts coming down his face there and he has his little freak out. And, mm-hmm. you know, and Parker bashes him over the head with the fire extinguisher and his neck breaks in half, you know. That's probably my, that might be my favorite scene in the whole movie is the <laughs> uh, the Ash freak out yeah. um, scene. You know, Ian Holm, he, he plays it beautifully. Um, he doesn't play like he is an android. And I think that's almost why it works so well. Uh, to- I, 100%. It's, it is a very creepy performance. And he's also, you know, you're saying he's not overly robotic. He's also not overly evil, you know? He's obviously like a bad guy, but he's playing it just very much like, you know, this is my prime directive, right? Like this is, this is, what, I, this is what I'm here for, you know, except, except that very last bit. When he says, you know, you have my sympathies and he has that little smile. Yeah, the weird smile. <laughs> yeah. And um, it's just, you know, you know, like you said, just so creepy. That image is like burned into my brain when I think of Ash. That's the first thing I think of is that is that you have my sympathies and then it's that little smile like, like, oh, you son of a bitch. <laughs> well, that's right, because he becomes such a hated character and like you don't like him. 
and because right out the gate, as soon as he lets um, Dallas and uh, Lambert and Kane back in, you you yep. automatically think, well, what's going on here? Why is he actually doing this? And mm-hmm. you know, he he didn't he never does anything actually nice in the whole thing. I don't think he smiles aside from that moment. Right. Um, so yeah, it's just kind of a it's the thing in your back of your head where you just get that feeling where there's something wrong with this guy, and that's what you think. You still think he's a guy. You don't um, you don't know that he's a, an android or whatever. Right. Um, so sh- shifting gears slightly here to, um, the, uh, the comic, which I have right here, um, this beautiful hardcover, um, a really cool looking hardcover, um, uh, called alien, the original screenplay, uh, that was, uh, produced by dark horse comics before, uh, Marvel bought, uh, 20th century Fox. Um, <clears throat> and really, uh, not i was very i was a little surprised that not a lot of differences like we were talking about before we were recording between this and the um the the final film um i imagine that a lot of this was updated obviously being like a 40 year old script when they you know uh, adapted into a comic book um but still there's there's elements of it you know that is very very similar almost identical but then there's a there's a few things in there that are quite different. Um, so for all of you out there, you know, if you, you know, like if you're on Amazon, your local comic book store, uh, definitely check out Alien, the original screenplay, a really cool, um, I guess, kind of a what if, you know, it's not exactly like, like the Snyder Cut or something like that, where it's, you know, it's a completely different thing or whatever. But it, it is definitely a, uh, an exercise in how the movie could have looked very different, especially uh, the creature itself. Uh, looking a lot different. This is before, like they had the Geiger designs and everything. Um, you know, which you know we uh, we've talked about. You know, I've talked about. It. We're going to talk about in other episodes where it's just that the those designs really made the film. That alien looking the way it looks. I mean, it and the creature they draw in the book is scary. Don't get me wrong, but I don't think it's as scary as that that geiger design yeah i agree with you there um you know and the biggest thing i think probably would be the you know the double mouth of the alien mm-hmm. um you know the other little mouth that comes out of the big mouth and obviously the long you know tubular like head yeah um other than that it's a lot of the same you know the same seems to have the same kind of hands mm-hmm. um but yeah like the the alien movie design is is iconic you know it's yeah. it, it, it almost hasn't changed Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they changed it a little bit in Prometheus just at the end, yeah. but then they you know, go back to it again in Covenant. But you know, it's such an iconic character, it's like the ultimate, you know, monster movie or um, uh, movie monster, right? Yeah, um, and it, 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 it's it's famous. It, it, and it, we mentioned it before, um, like how much they show the alien, and that's another thing. They don't, you never get a, a real clear shot of right. the alien in the movie but you know in the comic book you you get a pretty full-on shot within uh you know in the later half of the uh uh half of the book and it is scary but it's still not iconic it's still it looks more generalized i would yep. say in the comic book it's you know in in the in the comic it's i think it's taller uh it looks it looks to me like it's like 10 feet tall whereas like the regular alien is like seven or eight feet tall um which is because the the actor who <laughs> was in the suit um let me get his name here. I had him pulled up. Uh, I lost it. Uh, the actor in the suit, Balaji 
Badajo. I am certain I'm pronouncing your name wrong, sir. If you're out there, I'm so sorry. Um, I'm sure you're a wonderful guy, but uh, that you know he has that you know tall, lanky frame, and that really fit with the alien. Whereas in this thing, you know, some of the stuff that they did, I reading it, it's like, well, I see why a lot of stuff changed based on like budget and production issues back in you know 1978 or nine, whenever they actually were filming. Uh, versus like to, especially a comic book you can you can get away with anything you know it's like that's why like you know comic books had like characters like Thanos and Darkseid because it's like sure. you can show these characters in a comic book because there's no budget there's no limit whereas like it you know if we tried to do like the MCU if they tried to start it with Spider-Man with like <laughs> Tobey Maguire you know that that Thanos would not have looked nearly as good as uh, <laughs> as he did you know <laughs> so many years later with infinity war um but um one of the things that i actually i think i liked maybe not more but i thought was an interesting touch was the you know when when they it's sort of the same thing where they get a message that their ship gets a message and they go to the planet to investigate and so three of the crew members go down and uh and it's and there's this pyramid that they find and they're just sort of speculating like oh i think this might have been some sort of meeting ritual or something and like oh look at these like jars oh wait a minute they're uh, you know i think i think they're you know i think it's uh i think it's synthetic there's something in it and so like the face hugger looks completely different it looks more it's more blobbish it's like a purple blob that attaches to the guy's face does the same exact thing um but looks completely different and i i I just, you know, liked that design and obviously it was something that they probably the, definitely inspired the, um, you know, uh, in Alien versus Predator, the, you know, the under, you know, under the Arctic pyramid that the predators lure the humans to so they can have the aliens and everything. Um, but I thought that was just such a cool design. Like, like, you know, it, it's one thing to have this derelict ship that's like, oh, what the heck is this? It's quite another to have this whole structure that's like oh like this this was made for these creatures yeah the, like the first half of the uh or maybe the first quarter of the book aside from the very opening i got very much uh, prometheus vibes mm -hmm. um from it you know just them landing on the planet in the pyramid like i think in prometheus it's more of a dome um yeah. or whatever but then when they get inside the pyramid there's all the you know the hieroglyphics they call them and all the designs like that's very prometheus as well like yep. they got all the designs on the um on the inside of the the dome and i wonder if obviously you know they maybe they just carried it over um to prometheus because they kind of i think budget was you know a big constraint obviously 1979 for a movie that um you know didn't have any high profile actors and didn't have you know at the time the biggest director in the world um, you know, everything's very confined when they're outside. It's very windy and, you know, the sand and all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, the idea in the comic book is it, it feels a little larger, especially the first half when they're still on the planet. Yeah. Um, you know, you mentioned off the, off the top, this is kind of like a what if comic. I just love the idea that this comic exists. Yeah. Um, you know, I think I wish they would do more of it. And like you, you briefly mentioned Zack Snyder's Justice League. If there's no more movies after this, like comics would be, the ultimate way to carry things over yeah and i th i think that's and I, I love that this comics exists it, it maybe it doesn't add anything you know too groundbreaking um 
you know, there's always a stupid conversation about whether we or not we need this, but it's just, it, you know, it's just nice to have something else. And it, it's good to see what, you know, what could have been also, you know, like I imagine if this, if this comic and the script that it was actually came out in 1979, how vastly different that would be. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it, it would, it just blows my mind that, you know, back then if something like this were on screen with the pyramid and the you know the huge hieroglyphics and you know the the more uh, blobbish you know face hugger you know the cgi that obviously they didn't have back then right this would have been impossible to make yeah um but i just love the idea of it and you know when you get further into the story um it stays pretty close to the same you know they're you know the the crew are kind of confined to the hallways and mm-hmm. um, there's a bunch of different types of rooms in the, in the comic that's different um, in yeah. the movie, like the one, the food room or whatever. There's like the oxygen room with the plants and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the biggest differences for me is the cast altogether, um, you know, and even at the start of the book, it's kind of like a little prologue um, written by, uh, the editor of the book mm-hmm. and he talks about why the characters are different um, they took some liberties with you know in the original um, script it said you know none of the characters are women but they could be yeah so you know they in this comic they uh, they uh, they wrote some women in um, some women of color as well which is nice to see um, so yeah the, and obviously there's no ash you know and that's such a major storyline in the movie and how that is basically completely gone in the comic book is, is really interesting to me. Um, I, I think that the book uh, suffers for it too. If I'm being honest, I don't agree. You know, and not that I didn't enjoy reading it uh, for, for, you know, like you said, for what it is. And I, and I love having it. Um, But yeah, but I was realizing that because I was thinking which one of these characters is the ash and I, I, yeah, I thought it was one of the, there's a female character with her head kind of shaved on one side. Yeah. I, I figured she might've been the android when I was yeah. reading it, but uh, to no avail. No. Yeah. I was, I, so I was very surprised when I got to a certain point and I was like, Oh, it's, it's not here. Um, and so, like I said, it just, it doesn't, there's that, it has less of an impact because of that. You know I mean? It, it, you imagine aliens uh, without Burke, you know, that the movie just, it, it would have had, it would have been missing something. Sure. Um, and you know and, and i love and i love stuff like this that you know it, it's unfortunate with the the disney buyout because they were going to do a predator one that was uh i remember reading about it the original predator screenplay i remember they had artwork that was like a more reptilian looking predator um and i was really excited to read that and i actually was thinking about it when we were talking about this book um i was like i said like, oh i want to find that one and maybe we'll do an episode next year about that one and then because next year will be the 35th anniversary of predators also my 35th anniversary Ugh. anyway <laughs> i uh i was like and i was like wait i can't find it anywhere and then i looked it up it's like project canceled because of the disney buyout i was like oh you stupid mouse you ruin everything <laughs> they did a uh there's a planet of the apes one too right have you read that one? Oh, uh I forgot all about that till you just mentioned it. <laughs> yeah, sorry off topic, but I, you know, just I, I, again, like I love the idea that like a book like this can exist. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I hope stuff like this doesn't go away. I hope, you know, more scripts can be turned into into comics and just give us a different take. Um I think uh th- this is the kind of thing that um I wish DC and Marvel would embrace more. You know, like how cool would it be if to have like james cameron spider-man as a comic you know right um or um 
my my favorite example being the Nicolas Cage Superman. Like, it's not like it's not like Kevin Smith hasn't written comic books. He could that could 100%. easily that could easily be translated. Um, and you know, and I'm sure Nicolas Cage wouldn't mind his likeness being used in that situation. Um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, it's I I love stuff like that. And so when they start announcing stuff like this, and then you know, spoiler alert, part two of this will be Emmett and I talking about Alien Three, the unproduced screenplay. Uh, which I'm very excited about um, that, you know, when they announced that and they announced, and I think this one came after it, the alien original screenplay. I was like, that's so cool. Like, why don't, you know, why don't more of these companies do that? I mean, even if it's just your, your niche audience that wants it, they're, they're going to be excited for it and they're going to be talking about it. Um, you know, like, like a Superman lives, like a, uh, the green arrow, uh, Escape from the Supermax that David Goyer was going to do, I think back in like 2009 or 10, something like that. Um, that you know, these types of uh, the, the what if stories, like it's so funny. I, you know, I've talked about this with my friends. It's like, you know, you don't, don't play the what if game in real life. It's like, oh, what if, what if I just done this or if I'd done that? You know, it's like, you know, I, I mean, I'm, I'm okay. Obviously, you're looking at me, but, you know, a couple months ago, I was in a car accident um, and had to buy a new car. And all I could think was like, what if I had just like left work a little earlier that day? You know, it's like, you just, you can't think all that stuff, but when it comes to pop culture, it's so much fun. <laughs> I, I, I think these conversations are so much fun. Yeah. Well, and like then comic books like this and like alien three that we'll talk about, it, it gives us an opportunity to, to compare as well. Um, yep. You know, it, it's not that uh, the comic book is bad, um, but it's just different and you can, you can see the differences and you can see why they change some things too. Yep. You know, you can see why Ash was added. You can see why, you know, a Ripley, a more, uh, more focused character driven story was also added as well, because yep. like in the comic book, I never felt really attached to any of the characters. Yeah. I, you know? they, they made a point to, they all name each other in the first couple of pages. Yeah. And, and, but with, so that's page one and two. By page five, I've already forgotten all their names. Exactly, and and you know, and that's just it. And it's, it just it just is what it is, I guess. Um, but at the same time, I'm 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 thinking like, yeah, but like I remember Ripley's name. I remember Parker. I remember Dallas. You know, because and it's just it's also because it's a very different medium, of course. Um, but you know, we're spending more time with these people and getting to, you know, getting to know them, even if we don't know their backstories the way they're portraying the characters and they all were fantastic in the movie. Um, we, we get a sense of who they are. And uh, you know, like you were saying before, like, you know, Harry Dean Stanton being kind of the, the smart ass, you know, and then like, <laughs> um, and Ripley kind of being the no nonsense, you know, third officer. Um, and then it, 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 it helps us as the audience get, get some sort of hook into the character. Um, Cause this one was much more of a, the, the book was much more of a creature feature, I think, uh, with the alien having a, a huge presence throughout. Yeah, I agree. And especially with like, and you find out by the end of the book that the character who survives um, kind of brings back like the the head of the, I guess I'll call it the engineer. Um, oh, yeah. You know, yeah. That's, we don't, they don't really have a name for it. Um, you know, and I'm, it, but the alien is a little more prominent. And again, that's probably more due to budget from the movie. Yeah. Um, and even there's a part at, towards the end of the book where the alien is kind of uh, capturing the crew and kind of strewing them up in some kind of 
like a gobby cocoon type of deal. Yeah. Um, again, I assume it's it's all about uh, um, you know a little more screen time, but budget as well. Um, and again, that's why this comic is can be good because you know the budget on a comic book is nowhere near obviously um, what a one on a movie uh, can be. Yeah. And and the other thing, a big difference is this: the comic is a lot more gory. Um, yeah. There's a yeah. lot more blood. Um, and a lot more. Uh, you know, on-screen death. Yeah. Um, you know, it's pretty much as much as we get. I think Parker's and as well aside from Kane, um, but that's a, that's a different thing. Like an alien on-screen death. I think Parker is the biggest one. Yeah. At the end, where he gets the the shot from the inner mouth and somewhere in his chest or his head. Um, but aside from that, you know, Captain Dallas is just taken. Um, Lambert is just. Um, we don't know what happened to her. Right. Uh, Harry Dean Stanton character is just taken. Yeah. Um, you don't see a lot of on-screen death, um, which is scary also in its own right. Um, you know, in, in the in the comic book, there's some deaths that don't even happen by the alien. Like I'm looking at one now where one character gets crushed by a door. Yeah. Trying to suck the alien out the uh, the air hatch or whatever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, blood uh, was one of the things that I noticed a lot more in the comic book. You know, that that's true because I remember uh, reading about uh, the, the first alien movie and how it was... I, I think at the time it was like one of the bloodiest movies ever. And, and today that's like so tame. Right. Um, you know, look at like any Quentin Tarantino movie, but, <laughs> but, uh, but you know, in 1979, just, just the ash or excuse me, not ash, uh, the cane sequence, the chestburster scene, uh, which is iconic cinema and a, a really good example of the director really screwing with the, with the, with the cast um, such a, uh, yeah, it's like it's like oh that's that's bloody that's gross that's disgusting um but then i it's funny because i i thought that too about the book like, it's like wow this is like there's a lot happening here like these guys these guys just got ripped in half <laughs> um and then the alien is much more um for lack of a better word uh cannibalistic because you know you never really see i mean there's a couple times you see him the, the aliens like eat a human uh but also sort of not really um but this one, it's it's like straight up eating eating people. Yeah, I was just uh, um, looking at that scene here. He's yeah, he's eating. Uh, he's got an arm in his hand. He's look like he's chewing on just yeah. before that guy gets sucked or gets crushed in half by the door. Um, yeah, that's it. And I wonder, like, because we didn't see the deaths in the movie, I wonder if there was a side story where the alien, you know, was taking them somewhere and you know creating a cocoon with them and they it just didn't get put into the script like it is in the comic um it, it actually was uh i've seen a deleted scene of uh, of dallas cocooned up uh the way we see them in uh aliens there you go um and and he just looks at her and he says kill me and and she and she goes ripley has the flamethrower i think and she kills him that way um so that you know and that's something i talked about in another episode where they uh they kept they kept that from the deleted scene like james cameron incorporated that into aliens which is interesting because you you know again i'm repeating myself so many times in this podcast but like you you don't really uh, see that with uh with a lot of movies if there's a deleted scene that sets something up it usually isn't kept in a sequel or a follow-up mm -hmm. uh but in this case like you know ripley or uh, james cameron must have seen it and liked it and kept it um but in this one it, it was different because they were cocooned but the cocoons were like eating them so they was so the alien wasn't like laying eggs i don't think it was just like sort of because they though i think it's the captain she says it's it's eating the cocoon is eating through me something like that um 
And it's uh at the book yeah. right here. Yeah, no good. It's eaten too much of me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah. Oh, it's, it's that's that's a terrifying death right there. <laughs> uh, but it's the same thing where she says, "Kill me," and and then the you know, the the Ripley character does do that. Um, but I just one thing I thought was funny about the book that sort of got annoying was that I was like, "Does every room in this fucking ship have a airlock?" Because <laughs> they kept saying, like, we'll trap it in here and use the yeah. airlock. I'm like, every room in this space, no wonder, like, this crew is, like, this crew is kind of an idiot. <laughs> like, um, yeah, well, like, uh, the ship feels bigger, um, yeah, in, in the comic than it did in the book or in the movie, uh, in the movie. And I think that's why the movie is more tense and more scary than the comic book. I didn't found, I didn't find that the, uh, the comic was scary in any way. Yeah. Um, you know, I wonder if that's about, you know, color too. Like I'm looking and flipping through it right now. It's a lot brighter. Um, yeah. you know, the characters are all very well lit. The hallways are pretty well lit. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the alien is never in the shadows. Yeah. Um, you know, I never felt scared reading it. it this feels more like an action, um, sci-fi a lot more along the lines of aliens than yeah. it is to alien than me. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, for sure. And it's sort of, it takes away the horror of it by having it be uh, uh, by having it done that way, I think. Um, Cause you know, like we were talking about before the idea that the alien could be around any corner. It's like, especially when you can't really see what's going on. Like we can see just enough. Like we see the person on screen, like Harry Dean Stanton, for example, when he's looking for the cat, it's like, we see him, everything else is kind of dark. And it's just like, Oh, is that it? Is that it? Is is it is it behind him? Is yeah. it in front of him? Is is it behind, you know beneath him? Whatever. Um, it's it makes a it makes a difference for us as the viewer uh, to be like, oh man, like this is really intense. Um, but yeah, but but you're right. Like everybody being so well lit and it, uh, you know, the alien never really being in the shadows. Like even when it shows up in the lifeboat at the end, it's sort of mm -hmm. like it just sort of appears there, and yeah. Yeah, because in the movie, he, the alien's like inside like the wall, kind of in the inner workings of the cables of the wall. Yeah. Where you get a straight on shot of Ripley looking, you know, I forget what she's doing, something, and you literally see the alien's head. Yeah. Uh, I want to say for like maybe 15 seconds, maybe more, and it's just not moving. And like, I knew it was there, but I wonder at the time, like, I can't remember my first viewing or what it would have been like watching this in theaters and seeing that and not knowing it was the alien. And when the hand pops out, um, how it would totally freak me out <laughs> that I, I do remember that freaking me out oh, nice. because, <laughs> because I, I thought like, man, this, is this movie going to end? Like I kind of was like weirded out. Like, why are we still doing this? Like, this is weird. <laughs> We're seeing Sigourney Weaver in her underwear. It's kind of, I mean, not very, very skimpy underwear. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, not that I'm complaining, but still. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then like when she started looking at that, I was like, Oh God, there it is. There it is. And then when it popped out, I was like, Oh my gosh. You know? <laughs> I mean, I must've been like 13 or 14 watching it. And that, that movie got me like that. Um, like, you know, it's, it still gets me, you know, my, mm -hmm. uh, my best friend and I were watching it uh, together and, and he was like, he was like, it's amazing how this movie is still is still terrifying, you know. And and like I said, there's something to be said about the practical effects, um, which obviously was like the only option back then. Mm -hmm. um, and and like with, with the comic, which it's like I like you said, I'm glad it exists. I I enjoyed reading it. You know, I'll definitely read it again um, mm -hmm. because there's stuff there's stuff in it that I liked, not not better than the movie, but 
that I enjoyed and thought, oh, well, that would have been kind of cool to see back in the day or, you know, maybe in a future alien movie or whatever. Um, but there's just something about that, that original film and the way they just, they kept the creature in the shadows, you know, and it's whether it's by necessity or not, you know, much like Jaws, because I love that behind the scenes story (laughs) that ended up making that movie so great. Yeah. Um, but it's just like, man, like this, you know, like we were talking about before, this movie just sells you on this creature that, and, and the best part about it is you barely see the damn thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and here we are like 40 years later, still talking about it, still talking about how it scares the hell out of us. <laughs> well, yeah. And it's interesting because we're going to be talking about alien three next, how different yep. those aliens are. Um, you know, the alien runs and jumps and, yep. you know, that kind of thing. But it, like literally the alien and alien walks yeah, you know, in a scene and moves its arms really slow in a scene. Um, you know, it's never it never moves very fast or very far. It's you know most of the time it's very standard and you know it doesn't move at all. Um, you know, and I think I've seen you mentioned deleted scenes before. I've seen some where it, it kind of traverses a bit and kind of like a like a spider walk kind of deal. Mm-hmm. You know, it's interesting that I left some of that stuff on the uh, on the cutting room floor, as it were. Um, you know, it's, it's just really interesting. Like, again, you mentioned Jaws, like it, it, they're just happy accidents sometimes and that's how yeah. it works. Um, you know, it, it, and it usually happens to the best, the best directors, you know, yeah. uh, Ridley Scott, Steven Spielberg. It's, it's not a coincidence. Right. Um, I think that, uh, that the, you know, those two guys directed some of the best, uh, you know, creature features ever. Yeah. They, they were pioneers for that kind of thing. And it's like, it's like that saying, right. You know, you get, you get diamonds from pressure, right? You know, pressuring, you know, pressure on coal, right? So it's, so they, they were under, and George Lucas as well with, with Star Wars. It's like, you just, you find a way to make it work. And those guys, you know, they, they had no choice. Their entire lives depended on, you know, their lives, their careers, whatever you want to say, uh, both really uh, depended on the success of these movies. And, you know, damn it if they didn't knock it out of the park with, you know, <laughs> with uh, try number one, uh, which, you know, how many other directors can say that? We can, we can probably, you and I could sit here and go on about a bunch of other first time directors that just, you know, maybe they got lucky a second time or maybe they just will never hear from them again. <laughs> you know, who knows? Yeah. Um, well, Emmett, this, this has been a lot of fun, man. Um, you know, and I, I'm so excited to get to get to talk to you. Um, you know, you guys over at Let's Go, um, you know, it's so much fun listening to you guys, all your passion and excitement and, you know, uh, become really good friends with Nico and Zeddy and, and uh, Daddy Bats, you know, so it's like, so it's like, oh, man, like, I just, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm just excited to, you know, get to, you know, branch out and, and meet all these awesome people, you know, even across, uh, across borders now. <laughs> uh, <Yeah. laughs> Well, uh, there's nobody more exciting and no, more passionate than the guys at the Vigilante 1939. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I'm happy that they're part of Let's Go, and I'm incredibly happy to, uh, to be part of Let's Go with Justin and all the uh, the great crew over there. Um, very excited that we got to talk about this, and I'm very excited that we'll talk about uh, uh, more alien stuff in the future. Yeah. Um, so that, that'll be, uh, that'll be next week's, uh, episode, which, you know, I won't be lying to the listener when I say that because we'll be recording it next week. 
and I'll release them consecutively. Oh, there you <laughs> so, go. <laughs> so I do have the plan in motion. I'm be- I'm beating my anxiety by getting these done ahead of time. So, <laughs> um, but uh, but this, like I said, Emmett, this has been a blast. Uh, it was a lot of fun talking to you, man. And I'm just staring at your uh, collection behind you. Uh, <laughs> um, so um, let uh, let the people know where they can find you out there in the uh, in the uh, interwebs. Yeah, so you can find me on Twitter at Emmett Davis seven. Um, you can follow my comic book reviews at uh, www.letsgopodcast, letsgopodcast.com. Um, you can also go to the, our YouTube channel, www.youtube.com slash let's go podcast, where I host a, a show called let's go. Now, you know, uh, where we interview some uh, cool nerd uh, peeps uh, around the community, get to know uh, some cool people around the area. I also hold uh, host a let's go gamers, a video game show on the, the channel and have a, a movie trailer show uh, called the hitch on there. So uh, yeah, just go to the website, www.letsgopodcast.com. You'll find uh all my stuff on there and a lot of other great stuff too. Yeah. They, uh, they've got some great stuff over there guys. Uh, um, so much passion and energy. I, I love it. It's, uh, it's, it's what, it's what I want. I wish the internet was more of, you know, just everybody <laughs> just excited all the time about, about all this stuff. And it's like, and sure, we're not going to love everything. Uh, but you know, like, you know, but we could sit here and talk about it. like, we may not have liked this book as much as we liked the movie, but we're not sitting here bashing it and threatening the creators or doing acting like psychos. <laughs> so, um, yeah, just don't, don't do that guys. That's just, that's just ridiculous behavior. You know, learn, learn from JJ and Emmett. We're, we're I, nice guys. I, I agree hundred <laughs> percent. All right, man. Well, we are, uh, we're signing off. We will uh, be back together soon talking some alien three, that masterpiece of a movie. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's okay, I guess. I like it more than you. <laughs> That's true. That's, <laughs> and which is totally cool. Which is totally That's cool. <laughs> but I'm, I'm, I am excited to rewatch it. It's been a while. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll rewatch it with fresh eyes. Um, all right, folks. So we are signing off. And remember that in space, no one can hear you scream. And also, if you turn up this podcast really loud while you're driving, everyone can hear me right now, which is kind of cool. All right. Bye.